Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. Welcome to another episode of What's Good Under the Hood. Oh, I have music today. Also have this, a little applause for Greg Hood, owner of Mazda of Columbia. No, that's laughter. No, very God, funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and right opposite of Greg Hood, what's good on the hood? Mazda of Columbia, Rob Sanders Rob from Sanders. Fox Sports Radio, 1400 AM. WC. Hey, before we get going, I got it. I didn't mean to interrupt Rob's intro because he's the man, but I, Andy, you make pretty good coffee. Thank you. Thank I you. did. I got sent back to the kitchen for coffee, and I said, I said, do you need anything in it? He said, French vanilla creamer. I said, how much? He said, about four or five of the little plastic things. And I said, we don't do the plastic things. We do the pump. He said, about four or five pumps. Did I, and I, then I brought you extra creamer in the cup. So you would have actually, a Actually, that Just, you, put, you didn't put very much, but it's perfect. Well, of course, everyone knows that before Andy got into radio, he was one of the first Starbucks baristas. Was barista. 1973 in Seattle. He was there. Yeah. I right. also got everyone's name wrong <laughs> for coffee <laughs> beverage, too. Do you was, spell your name was, with Andy was, with an I on the end of it with for yeah. your, on your cup? It was That's supposed right. to be Mitch, not bitch, you wrote on the cup. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you were a Starbucks barista or any barista, you would have to do that because you got to write, you get to write names on things. I think that would be funny. I would not be right. I would get fired real quick. I'd write yeah. some not so nice stuff, I'm sure. But thank God yeah. you weren't a you weren't a barista and got fired because you do so much great work for the automotive industry. Mazda of Columbia, first of all, construction going well over there on Greystone. It is going or on Broad well. River. It is going well. You know, it's funny how much I, w- I was just talking to Ron and and he asked me how it was going. And it's funny how um, I've never really been a project manager of something like this before. I've had little projects, but nothing this big where you're kind of overseeing what's going on. Um, and when they make an error in something that's kind of monumental, um, you know, I, I was I had a little trepidation in telling them, but hey, this isn't wrong. And they built a wall in the um when you enter the service department and the opening to get into the inside of the department was only 16 feet. Well, the car's about 16 feet long and you got to, from the inside turn lane turn to get into it and it didn't work. So the service I, I, department. So if they ding the side of the car, they could just fix it right there. No, we're not a body shop, sir. We're just a service department, <laughs> but that's the one you want to avoid because your customers do not come back. But anyway, so we had to remove four feet of that wall. And the way I had him, figure out that it didn't work because he kind of looked at me funny and i said take your pickup and try and drive in there before you go home tonight and when i come in today he goes hey check it out and they've taken four feet of wall out he says it's a little <laughs> difficult so and then there was another thing with the alignment rack was it's down set into the concrete and it was supposed to be turned at an angle so if i had a bigger truck because everybody thinks that well we only sell Mazda, but i saw a lot of used vehicles so when you I have used trucks, and if you have an F-350 and you're trying to get it in there, crew cab, uh, trying to get it in there and put it on alignment rack, because I bought the Mac Daddy alignment rack for it, um, they can't make the turn. So we have to be a little creative there. But I couldn't, I could have made them tear it up, but it would have cost me some money, and I think we'll just have to work around that. But it's money, funny what you learn. So, But it's going well. We're right on schedule, um, we're, and that's always the biggest concern, especially with all the garbage that's been going on lately. Nobody gets anything on time. So the building still showed up like it was supposed to. The doors awesome. are here. The other products. I ordered a little bit of it early, but it's uh, it's all coming together. So we're excited. 
Hey, near the end of the podcast today, before we get or before we're done, uh, something to look forward to: story time with Uncle Greg, Uncle Greg Uncle Hood. Greg, yeah, That's later so. in the show. Now let's let's attack this first this first topic: is the automotive industry dying a slow, ugly death? But before we do that, I, I have to throw this out there with uh, the stuff about we're talking about the automotive industry dying, gentlemen. I went to Subway for myself and the wife the other day, and. We placed the order on their on their app and all that, and we're thinking we're just going to walk in and pick up our subs. We get there, and the lady goes, uh, "I'm sorry, we don't have any bread." Now Subway this is, like, is dying. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> so then, here here's the best part. They charged us. I don't know. It was you know subs for my wife and the kids and I. And it was like thirty dollars, whatever it was. Uh, we'll refund you, but it takes uh, five to seven days. So they can't make bread. And they can't refund our money in a timely manner. If Subway can't get it right, I mean, surely what what I read about the automotive industry dying has to be true, right, Greg? Well, it's, I, I have one. Dying, before you get to that, telling I, me surely. I have one question before you get done with that. If they had no bread, did they just give you a big bag of meat? No, they didn't give me anything. They gave me they gave me a slip saying, "Here's your refund. You get it in five to seven days." And they were still open with no bread. Exactly. Did I don't they understand give you a that. coupon for a free sandwich in five to seven days? I, I don't know. I, I, I got um my money back in seven days. That's you what I mad. got. No, you know I what? was I was big time mad. It's a sta- some, sad some, state of affairs. There are some issues out there. I heard yesterday that um China was telling its older folks they need to stock up on food. Um and one of the reasons is they said they mentioned uh, a multitude of reasons that they're having anticipating a food shortage. One of them was climate change. And I said, you know, do you have to throw that in an article? And the reason I'm mentioning that, because every all these news media people, they have an agenda. I don't care, left, right, whatever they, their choices, but they have one. And what proves it is what you asked me about in the question you asked, is it dying? And and I know that Rob has done a little research on some stuff, and he's sold, seen a multitude of articles that are kind of aimed that way, that the whole world in the automotive industry is, you know, that it's going to come crashing down on us. The thing that people really don't anticipate is us as an industry, and I'm I'm everything from manufacturer all the way down to us that sell the car. We're pretty resilient, and we're pretty creative, and we always find ways, just like we've done through these tough times, uh, to get around it. You know, how many new cars do I have on the showroom floor? I think today, today I have 12. I feel pretty good about it. Isn't that amazing? I used to have 150, and now I have 12. And I, oh, I feel good. I have 12 cars. But we're still selling cars where my volume's off a little bit, but it's not off, you know, some enormous numbers off about 15%. So if I'm off 15% from when I had a lot of cars, um, I'm not hating life. We're just figuring out a way to do it different. But is our industry dying? There's a lot of things that are changing in it. And, and which kind of leads into the next story, which I'll touch on. And then we'll go into what, because Rob and I talked about this already that, you know, there's, um, there's also, it's just, there's so much money behind all this stuff that we don't understand. And I mean, I'm not naive, but there's just so much I don't understand. It all revolves around money. And the decisions of of an electric vehicle, those have been primarily pushed by government, not just our government, German and French and wherever, you know, they have these uh, agendas of what they're doing, but yet the grid doesn't support it. Heck, the grid doesn't support it in China probably doesn't support it in Russia. I mean, wherever you are, we're going to have this problem. They they do something and then they back into it to try and fix it and fill the hole. 
do I think the industry is going to change? Yeah. yeah. I, we, we talked before about, you know, hydrogen as being something that will um, make a difference. And I really still believe that because it, it goes back to electric vehicles and the fact that, you know, if you live in Southwest Florida or you live in Alabama or you live in anywhere along the coast in Georgia, even here in South Carolina, uh, you drive around the freeways and we have signs that say evacuation route, right? We, we've all seen, I've, I've not seen any around here. I see them near a beach, but oh, I don't I see know, evacuation routes around here. Out where I live, they're out there. You know, there's there's a couple of signs that show you that you're leading the right way to get out of here. And they're trying to get to us. But you've seen them. We're only a couple hours from the beach. So I'm a little farther uh, toward the east than you are. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I might have a tendency to see them. The point is, how the hell are you going to evacuate if you can't charge your car? And if you can only go a couple that's hundred miles on a charge, you've got a pretty darn big problem. Because that's, that's a, I, last time I checked, when I was down in, in uh, Florida for Hurricane Irma, that whole thing took up the whole state. So, And I drove 600 miles really to avoid it, and I had to drive 600 miles back. Well, when I got back, we didn't have any power. There wasn't any power for about four days. So <laughs> there are so many unintended consequences in all the stuff that's going on. So that is really, I, I kind of got a little sidetracked, but no, I don't think it's dying. I think it's just changing. I think it's evolving. And, but there's, there's a lot of money behind it that's forcing some decisions that I don't think are really that good. If they but, could only know, make cars that would run on water, that would be, that would be the best of all worlds. Because water's got hydrogen in it. And steam trains. That's what you have <laughs> well, logs. You'll be, you'll be feeding the logs. <laughs> feeding the coal. You know, you mentioned, coal. Though, you mentioned the word evolve. And uh, to, to bring a football reference into it, when you look at, I use Alabama and Nick Saban as a reference here because Nick Saban used to be this kind of coach. It's like, look, we're going to smash you in the mouth, play good defense. Our offense scores 24 points. You're going to lose 24 to 7, and we're going to roll home. Then he started seeing that that wasn't going to work with the way that the game had changed. So now when you look at a Nick Saban team, they're going to beat you 52 to 24. They still win by 28 points and they're taking home national titles, but he evolved. And that's kind of what the car industry is doing as well. They're just evolving to um, what's happening now and how they can still move cars, even though the, uh, the field's kind of different. So one in eight people in the United States are somehow tied to the automotive industry, whether it's a supplier, whether it's fuel, whether it's, uh, you know, selling them, servicing them, tires, whatever. That one out of eight are impacted by what happens uh, in there. And speaking of Nick Saban, I don't know if I'm a huge Alabama fan, but I love listening to that guy talk. He is absolutely brilliant. And he Do you have an impression for us, Greg? Do you have an impression uh, of I don't do, I don't do a Nick Saban impression. Rob? I, could, I, mean, I, I mean, I could do it. Uh, hey, did you see Kent State? They ran through our defense like shit through a tin horn. Did you see that? Yeah, don't don't tell my team about Kent State. We're going to have our own issues here. We're going to fix it. There you go. <laughs> shit through a tin horn. All right. That is that is an absolute that is that is a Nick Saban statement. Shit through a tin uh, horn. Okay. He actually okay. said that. That's the best. Uh, <laughs> oh man i almost got political there anyway uh but he is an interesting guy but yes no i mean our industry is it's it's always evolved i mean you and you can look at it from a couple things some of the things that drive the evolution is gas prices for example if you remember back uh 
I don't know what year, 2008 or 2009 when gas prices got up to where they are now. <laughs> they were five bucks a gallon. People were peeling out of their SUVs like they were going out of style and they were spending, losing thousands and thousands of dollars to get into a smaller car. Well, the industry started changing too to make a different kind of car. And then when gas price went back up, then they shifted back to making what the big pigs supposedly that people want to drive, although they get a whole lot better fuel economy than they used to. So the market shifts to market demand or the manufacturers shift to market demands. They're once again, they're resilient. They have to, they're businesses. That's what businesses have to do. You have to meet the demands of your customer. You're not going to be able to sell what you're making. As far as, you know, when the government intervenes, and they're telling us how to do what we do. The, I, last time I checked, a congressman or a senator has no idea what it takes to run a car dealership or to manufacture a car. They just come up with this stuff and think they've solved the world. Many of them yeah. have no idea how to run a country either. Well, that is also correct. But, you know, we're not going to go down that <laughs> probably rabbit, not. rabbit hole there. Um, but it's it's a little frustrating. I mean, we're facing uh, some interesting times for another, lots of reasons. Another Another Nick Saban statement. Those congressmen are rat poison. It's rat poison. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> you don't quite have his voice, though, so we'll work on that. All right. Well, well I mean, that? I'm not I'm not 70 something years old, so I'm trying. There you go. Looks pretty good for 70. Um, hey, what was the other question? It had to do with uh, oh, the, the, the other Europeans. question was about uh, the French claim that uh, in the article that I read that uh, electric vehicles are going to basically cut 25% of the workforce in the auto industry over there. And I, I brought that to you because I was like, if it's going to affect France, you know, we supposedly live in a global economy. Is that going to uh, knock out 25% of the automotive jobs here? Well, I don't know. And I don't know if that's true either. But the reason that in that article that they're knocking out 25% of the jobs is because their balance sheet is very affected by how they're manufacturing EV vehicles, you know, electric vehicles, it's it's a shift, it's a change, it costs lots of money. So what they're doing instead, they're trying to do more with less and to make sure, ensure that they're profitable, they're getting money from the government. I think I read 17 billion or something that there was. So they're just, excuse me, they're just displacing the worker um, and making, and, and the government's buying their way into them lowering their workforce. They'd be better off doing it a different way and just subventing them if they're going to do it at all. But the, the thing is that they should allow them to make the product right to where it is scalable and where it's we're not losing our butt. I mean, you look at electric vehicles when there's tax benefits of $7,500 if you buy one. Well, not everybody qualifies for that credit, but $7,500 the government is giving to uh, help somebody buy an electric car. I'm very confused by that. I mean, it doesn't impact me. I'm not buying one, but I'm just confused by why that is part of it. So going back to that article that we read on uh, what's going on over in Europe, um, you know, will it impact us here? I suppose, you know, because if it works, if the way that the model that they put together works and they are able to wrangle some more money out of the president of France, then they're going to figure out how to wrangle it out of us. You know, and those companies over there, there was Peugeot, Centroen, and I can't remember what the other third one was, um, but Peugeot is part of uh, Stellantis, if I'm not mistaken. All these That's, words that are tough to pronounce. What are you doing? Stellantis. <laughs> no, Stellantis is, uh, you know, um, ask your doctor what Stellantis can do for you. That's yeah. the new company name for uh, Fiat Chrysler because they huh. sold and they're part of that uh, 
the Peugeot uh, kind of conglomerate, whatever you want to say. So that's the name of that company now. I don't know if you knew that, Andy. I did not know that. Well, then put on the little cricket thing there. And right, here we go. Let's do this. It's time for story time with Uncle Greg. There we go. Now we're talking. All right, kitties, gather around. The first story I'm going to tell you is I have a hole in my shirt. And I'm telling you that because <laughs> you were not going to mention that today. I'm you gonna mention me. it too. No, I'm going to mention it because you would at some point, but we've, no, I told you two, I wouldn't do that. We're going to record two podcasts. And so yeah. people are going to know that my shirt is ripped in two podcasts, not one. Yeah. I have no idea how I got a hole in it, but you know what? It's kind of sexy. That's what I'm going to say. All right. So here's my story. Showing a little shoulder today, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, it's over here. Right over there. A little, little skin for you. And Andy's the one noticed that I didn't even notice. I put my shirt on. Well, it's, a, it's a hole in your shirt about this big. Yeah, and but I don't look back <laughs> there. Out of it. I'm not like, like you don't have an eye in the middle of my back of my head, to, you know, so I'm looking out the back. <laughs> anyway, so we were talking about what would be a good story time. You know, years ago, I was selling Lincoln Mercury. And that was always an adventure because you would take people out and you'd have to drive them in a car. And if you consider the fact that if I go back to 1987, 1988, those customers for Lincoln Mercury are not the same customers they are today. They were in their 1987s or they were 88s. They were old people. But I remember I had this guy and I'd take him for a ride. He wanted to, be, to buy a new Continental. And I think he was 93, if I remember correctly. So I take him down the road and there's a place uh, to pull off. It was called Johnson Ranch out in, Ranch, in Roseville. And they hadn't, it's all built out now, but it wasn't built at that time. So it's kind of a high speed racetrack for us. So I took him out there. And what I didn't consider in his age was that, um, he, you know, he, his driving skills getting back to the dealership. So he goes down that road and he's doing fine. And he turns around and he comes back up. We're heading back toward the dealership. And he's got to pull out on Douglas Boulevard, which it was six lanes, three lanes each way. And he pulls out. And instead of going on the other side of the median, he takes a left on the wrong way. And I got to tell you something, you know, at this point, I'm thinking I'm 28 years old. I saw my life coming to an end. He's going head on toward cars that are coming my way. And I was trying to stay extremely calm. And I said, hey, OD. He said, yeah. I said, don't you think you're going the wrong way? And the old man goes, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I didn't want him to panic. Oh, but he, anyway, he got it hooked around somehow and we didn't die. But here's my first Uncle Greg story, man. The car business is awesome. Thanks awesome. so much. Thanks, Thank Uncle you. Greg. You bet. What's good under the hood? Greg Hood from Austin, Columbia. Rob Sanders from Fox Sports Radio. And I am, I am not able to speak. Andy Woods from 97.5 WCOS. Thanks for joining us. I don't know what we're going to talk about in the next episode, do y'all? Maybe blue book values. Yeah. And uh, and of it. course, another story time with Uncle Greg. What's good under the hood?